Welcome to the Financial Insight Podcast, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast covering everything you need to know in the financial services industry. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Wherever appropriate, independent research, and wherever necessary, legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. The value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested. The Financial Insight Podcast is for investment professionals only. Thank you. Hello. So today we have with us Steve Butler. He's the Chief Executive of Punter, Southall and Aspire. And today we're going to be talking about diversity and inclusion in the workplace and specifically in finance. In 2019, the FCA published a research paper in which it said that only around 17% of FCA approved individuals were women. And despite several regime shifts, this figure is remarkably unchanged since 2005. And when you break this down in other demographics like neurodivergence or race, the statistics are even less representative of the demographics that we have in this country right now. Today, we're going to be talking what Steve has been doing at his SME and how this can really influence the industry at large. So, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, would you mind by starting and telling us who you are? Yeah, so uh, my name is Steve Butler. I'm the chief exec of Punter South or Aspire. Um, and we are a retirement savings business. Uh, we're about 150 staff, and um, we we have a employee benefit consultancy where we advise uh, businesses with 100 staff up to about 3,000 staff on their kind of pensions and benefits. Um, that uh, proposition in itself throws off lots of individuals inside those corporates that are retiring. So we also have a financial planning division that provides uh, retirement advice for those uh, for those individuals retiring out of the corporates. So we're talking about diversity and inclusion, and maybe we can start. Um, perhaps we can start about your experience and your passion for it, and talk about why it's so important in your view. Yeah. So my organisation has uh, we're one hundred and fifty people, and we've grown through acquisition. Um, and the financial service industry, you know, as, as you've previously said, is, is predominantly male, it's predominantly white. So when the business has grown, um, what we've got is more of the same. So about three years ago, I found myself <coughs> leading a business with 150 staff, dominated by, by white men. And, and that creates a real risk to me in a couple of, for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, they all... We all think the same. I'm sorry, I am a, I am a white man. Uh, we all think the same. So there, there's, a, there's a real danger of groupthink. Um, and that really stifles innovation. Um, it creates risks in the business that, that we're perhaps not thinking about things in the, in the way that we should be. So there's a, there's a real strong argument for diversity of thought and diversity of experience to kind of help us grow as a business and I think the second key factor is we're not representative of our clients. You know, we have a very diverse client base and um, we don't reflect that diversity. So, as I say, three years ago, I had to take a long, cold look at the business and say, well, where do we go from here? Um, let's look at SMEs and the role and what they can do, small, nimble businesses and what they can do to uh, improve diversity and inclusion and the steps they can take. And let's, I really liked how you um, uh, contrasted that with big business, you know, big, yeah, big corporates, okay. right? 
Because yeah. yeah, a lot of the rhetoric comes from these big corporates, as, as, it, as you would imagine it would. Um, but the people that can have the real big influence quickly are the SMEs. Um, so obviously, uh, sitting in the IFA sector, the majority of the sector is made up of small regional IFA firms. Um, so when we think about diversity and inclusion, you know, we can have the most impact by creating um, frameworks that, that suit these smaller firms. However, when you listen to the diversity inclusion dialogue across the industry, it's coming from the big corporates, you know, the big super tankers, which are kind of slow to change and, and slow, to, slow to adapt. And, and I found that often I'm, I'm not hearing that I, what I want to hear. So you know, I, I, over the last couple of years, have, have started to become more vocal about our own experiences because as an SME, you know, we, we've, got, we've been through our own learning journey. And, and I think by speaking about it, I can help others in, in, that, in the same situation, you know, which is, is as I say, very reflective of the, of the IFA industry. So maybe you could tell us, yeah, some of the, maybe like some of these anecdotes, some of these examples of things that you have done, you know, and some of the effects that they've had downstream. Yeah, so, so the first challenge I had was the, was the under-representation of um, all different groups within the senior management team. You know, I had an executive team of eight white men and, and short of firing them and, and replacing them with other people, there was nothing I could do. So I had to think quite laterally, and, and my first step was to disband that executive committee and replace it with a series of operating committees for each of the different areas of the business. So in doing so, I was able to create a much more diverse group of people, age, gender, kind of race, involved in the leadership conversation. It's made more work for me because I have to attend a, a number of operating committee meetings throughout the course of the month. But it does mean that, that I've got a much broader set of people involved in thinking about strategy and, and, and kind of leadership. So that, that was the first step we did, and that, that was actually quite significant. Um, lots of women in the business said that they enjoyed being part of this, this leadership conversation. The next challenge I had was the structure of these meetings. You know, men often will talk over women. They'll, they'll explain at length to show their, their knowledge. Um, and that doesn't necessarily create the right uh, environment. So we introduced a situation where at the beginning of every meeting, uh, we had a personal sign-in. So where we all took a couple of minutes to talk, to score out of 10, what was going on in our personal life and what was going on uh, with our families, etc. And it created a much more empathetic environment within the meetings you know we shared personal things at the start and it set the tone for the meetings and it kind of removed that kind of macho male behavior that had previously existed so just that small change dramatically changed the the structure of the meetings the next thing i had to think about was you know i still had senior managers that were, that were men uh, despite them having a broader group of people around them um, so we implemented a reverse mentoring uh, program. So where, where all the senior managers have a reverse mentor uh, with someone younger um, and from a different demographic from, from themselves. And they meet monthly um, and they share what's going on in their business world. And their mentor um, you know, gives them uh, their perspective on things. And, and again, that's really shaped the thinking of uh, the senior managers is within the business. It's shaped um, 
a greater urgency in terms of delivering some issues that need to need to be done and again more, more empathy in terms of um, the way we approach things within the business so the combination of those three things has really changed the culture of the business we've got managers with with deep understandings of of the different people within the business and and managers who are, are who are keen to kind of deliver on those things so i i think that that was that was one area that had a big impact um if i may the other area that i think had a big impact was at the beginning of covid um there was a real demand for communication what's going on in the business how are we surviving through covid etc so we introduced a sort of town hall video call that everyone in the business joined uh, and and within a couple of weeks i was struggling with things to talk about so um I started looking for other things that I could include in this town hall meeting. And we have a panel discussion now with various people from within the business talking about different subjects, often diversity and inclusion subjects. Um, we have people within the business that are interviewed on this uh, company presentation. Um, and, it, and it's been a real platform for people across the business to share their stories. And again, it's been transformational. Despite the fact we've all been working from home, everyone feels much more connected with one another because they're hearing the personal stories of each other in their in their monthly meeting, um, and it's allowed us to, you know, publicly tackle issues um, like gender and race um, within the business for the whole business to see, and and everyone in the business knows it's important to us, and it's a it's an open dialogue within the business. Yeah, I think yeah, I think. In in terms of, yeah, absolutely. I think the uh, when I sort of was thinking about my questions, I was thinking mostly about diversity, and um, I had I'd sort of forgotten, uh, or I I I hadn't focused as much on inclusive inclusivity, and it seems that those two you know, almost have to come hand in hand. You know, it's like there has to be open dialogue, there has to be inclusion. You know, people having that, you know, getting people on the same page requires communication. It's uh, I, it's interesting very interesting yeah absolutely for me inclusion comes first because you can have uh you can set numbers that you want to achieve for diversity but you're not going to achieve those numbers unless you create a culture where you will attract retain and promote people from a from a broad set of backgrounds and unless you create that culture you might be able to recruit them but but they're going to leave within a short period of time so you're not going to move the dial on diversity unless you first deal with uh, the inclusive culture. So I think the last thing we can talk about is maybe what spurred this on for you. How did you get to this point in your thinking? So my, my philosophy, I think, is, is, is built over time. You know, I, I, I am a white man. I am very privileged in the way that I was able to join the industry and, and progress through the industry. And, and I think over recent years, I've reflected back on that privilege but there's also been challenges along along my journey. You know, I, for, for whatever reasons, as a teenager, uh, didn't study very hard and, and didn't go to university. So joined the industry age 18 uh, as an office junior, which is, is very different from the journey from lots of people joining the industry. Um, I also had children relatively young. And, and at the age of 30, I was desperate to be spending time with my children and not be commuting into London on a daily basis. And when I asked for flexibility from my employer, I got no. 
and, and, and that prompted me to leave the industry and set up my own business and, and kind of take an entrepreneurial journey. And, and I think for everyone, you know, there's challenges along your career and, and it, it, it makes you realise that everyone's got a personal story, everyone's got a narrative and it's, it's only going to work in the workplace if, if we're all listening to each other's narrative and we're creating an environment that works for lots of people. And I think at the heart of lots of the diversity inclusion conversations is flexible working. You know, if you're a returning mother, if you're disabled, um, if you're neurodivergent, having working flexibility is critical to your your ongoing um, delivery into the workplace. So you just can't attract this set of talent into the business if you're not offering a situation where people can work from home sometimes during the week, can be flexible with their hours, can be flexible with the way that they dress and, and flexible where they engage with, with people. Um, so that needs to become the norm within SMEs and, and business in general, you know, we, if we're going to attract a, a broader set of talent into the business. Um, I'll just say for the recording, thank you so much for chatting to us today. Really enjoyed our conversation. If you'd like to read more about this, Steve has written a book called Inclusive Culture, Leading Change Across Organisations and Industry. And another thing to check out will be the Diversity Project, which Steve is a member. Uh, We'll put a link in the article below this podcast. Thank you so much for listening.